This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is June 13th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Hi, it's Danielle DeLillo, and I was with WRHU from 1997 to 2001. And what shows or programs did you work on at WRHU? It's like, what shows didn't I work on? (laughs) I felt like I was a part of everything, but um, I was doing the Jazz Cafe. I did the classics uh, of Hofstra, Uncharted Territory, Hofstra's Morning Wake Up Call. Um, I dabbled in some of the the DJ shows that we would do on Friday nights. so I basically kind of did everything. I was. I also did Airwave. Never did Aggressive Edge, though. That wasn't really my style. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I was pretty much almost cleared in almost every single format, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> I'm curious. You mentioned the DJ shows on Friday night. What's that about? So it was like all dance music and... Um, freestyle like back in the day uh we had jonathan partridge as the dj so dj eclipse and um he would do his show on friday nights and he had a a co-host that he worked with but when she wasn't available i would step in for her every so often so it was it was fun it was a lot of fun okay did you work on any community fairs programs or any of the weekend programming Um, When I first started at WRHU, I was training with Irv Simner (laughs) with Mm -hmm. Out Behind the Barn. I did Ciao Italy, Ciao Italia um, with um, Nino and Rosa, um, Giovanna, uh, Oriema, worked with her. Mm -hmm. I also helped out with the, I think it was the Irish show with um, Eileen Cronin. And mm-hmm. Pat Thompson. So I pretty much kind of helped everybody out whenever they needed somebody. Uh, I just loved being a part of the station and I loved being there and I loved learning and I loved getting my hands dirty. So it was it was fun being there on the weekends. Okay. And kudos on your Italian pronunciation there. Oh, grazie, grazie. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Um, what titles and positions did you have at the station? So when I graduated from the training class, um, I was just doing engineering and on-air stuff, but the second semester, it was my freshman year, and Bruce Avery was asking if I'd be interested in being on the the administrative board. So I was like, oh, yeah, what do I need to do? He's like, oh, you just need to, like, run the PSAs, make sure everyone gets a PSA and, and they do it in their show. I'm like, okay. So I, I started as a traffic director and then, um, the next year I did both training and personnel director. And then my junior year, I did a community relations director, which was on the e-board the executive board. So, um, I loved every minute of being a part of the AB and the EB. That traffic director position is is a gateway for for many people. Oh, it's not hard. Just do this, and then suddenly yeah. you're you're involved completely. Um, yeah. Did you, you have any nicknames or on air names when uh, when you were at the station? 
Oh my gosh, Brian. I, <laughs> Sean Novat and Bruce Avery started calling me Double D from the minute I stepped foot onto that campus. Um, so I was known as Double D and I still am and sometimes DD. So it was uh, always the two Ds that stuck with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. So, so speaking of first getting to the station and meeting Bruce and Sean, um, there's a two part question and you can answer whatever order makes sense to you, but what first brought you to Hofstra radio? And then if you could describe what it was like, maybe what the studios or the offices are like, or, or maybe people that you met your first time at the station. Sure. So I was in high school at Sawanica in Floral Park and I was doing the morning announcements and I just loved doing them. And my guidance counselor was like, Danielle, you need to be in radio or TV. Like you're so good at this. And she's like, why don't you look at Hofstra? They have the radio station there. They have a really good communication school. Why don't you apply there and see what happens? And so I knew Hofstra was always where I wanted to go because as a child, I would perform in the playhouse for my dance recitals. And I would tell my mom and dad, like, I want to be here. I want to go to college here. And back then, the radio station was in Memorial Hall. So um, when I started to visit Hofstra as a high school student, it was already located in Dempster. So... um, when I visited the campus, I took an application from Sean Novat, and uh, the rest is pretty much history. I interviewed and started the training class my first semester of my freshman year. Um, the studios were pretty incredible to me. Um, as a child, I, I loved music. I was brought up on music, and uh, my grandpa would always have us listen to the radio, whether it's talk radio or um, <laughs> big bands, WHLI, when it was all old old music. And uh, I just fell in love with it, and I loved performing, so I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And um, when I first walked into Dempster Hall, it was like, uh, like I got goosebumps. I, I literally looked straight down the hallway and said, Oh my goodness, this is, this is so cool. Like this is a whole building just for the school of communication. Like, wow. And my dad, I remember my dad being like, Oh, uh, you're going to talk on that microphone over there when you come to school here. And, and I was like, dad, you know, like, I, I hope I do. I, I really do. And, um, it, it was just like, it just felt home for me. Like right away, the second I walked in there, I grabbed that application from Sean, like I mentioned, and it just felt like I belonged there. And it was just so cool to me that, I actually was going to broadcast to people in the community and not only on a campus as some colleges, they don't have the ability to broadcast to, you know, I I guess what is it? 500 Watts or whatever. Hmm. So they didn't have like a lot of the schools that I was looking into the only broadcasted on campus. And so I was like, this is awesome. My grandparents can hear me. My parents can hear me, my friends. So, um, it was just, uh, it just felt like home and it felt like, and community driven. I mean, I met so many people, um, that were working on the weekends, uh, 
when I when I visited the campus and it was like, oh my gosh, I love that students and community. Oh my goodness, like this is right up my alley. <laughs> so I just so, so th- sorry. This was all before you started you your freshman year. This was in the summer, or you were still in high school. Yeah, I was still in high school. It was like I don't know April maybe, um, April May, and uh, I was accepted into the university, and I just. I just knew I wanted, I wanted to be a part of that radio station. And I remember just being there and I I just was like, this is, this is where I need to be. This is, this is for me. And we just sat and listened to the radio station for a little while. We, We sat in the car, we were listening and my father loved the Italian (laughs) show. And so it was, it was great. It was, it was like, ah, gotta be here. (laughs) <laughs> so you mentioned uh doing an interview uh yes. when you first got there was there a sort of like an open general interest meeting that you went to and then there was an interview what is that process like for those of us who weren't there at the time okay so it was a one-on-one interview that i met with bruce avery michelle lisi ed ingles sean novat and I think that was it. And we sat in the conference room and I just was my myself. I was, I'm very outgoing and very personable. So I, I think they, uh, and I'm very charming. <laughs> so I think they, uh, they saw that, oh, wow, this girl's got it. And um, it was, it was a, for me, interviews don't scare me. They don't bother me. I don't get nervous. So it was just like talking to like four of my friends and um, they pretty much called me the next day and said, we want you in the training class. And it was, it was, it's indescribable for me because it was something that I, I wanted so badly. And I was, I was like, oh, I think I got it. I think I got it. And then I got the call from Sean and he was like, you're in DeLillo. <laughs> I was like, yay. Um, and so I had something to look forward to when I was during the summer, I, I knew I was going to start the training class. And I think it was right after Labor Day that year because we started school before Labor Day in 97. Um, so I remember just taking that 10 week training class and, I mean, like I said, the rest is history. It was an incredible part of my life that I'll never, ever forget. Do you remember anything in particular about uh, announcing training that they they taught you ways to prepare or ways to be on the air or anything about the engineering class, things that you carried with you uh, going forward? Well, you want to hear something. They told me that I had an awful accent and... Uh, I was like, what do you want from me? Like my father's from Brooklyn. My mother's from Queens. Like, this is what I grew up on. Like, this is me and I'm not changing it. But they, I actually wound up, uh, when I was on the air at Hofstra, I would change my accent so that I didn't sound like I had one. And I learned that through my speech communication classes and Bruce and Ed told me, because of me that they needed to hire someone to help with um, accents. So someone who worked in that area and 
I don't know if it's a voice coach or what, but now it was, uh, I mean, it's great that I can shut off the accent, but when I'm on the Elvis Duran show, they want me to over accentuate my accent. So, Hey, it worked out for me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the, 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 the rules of the game have changed that it used to be the flat Midwestern accent was the only thing that was acceptable. And in the last 20, 25 years, um, that has not only been relaxed, but probably sort of pushed to the side and the more, uh, uh distinct the voice is, uh, the more play it gets. I, I, I think that's that's something that's changed pretty dramatically uh, since the time you and I got involved in radio. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And working with Danielle Monero from the Elvis Duran show, I mean, that just goes to show you she's a girl from the Bronx and <laughs> she got to where she is because she has the accent. So, hey, you just never know. Right. Um do you remember your first time getting on the air live? Yes, I do. I remember it well. I was a little nervous, but I was like, what am I going to be nervous about? I used to do the morning announcements for a whole entire school. Like I just pretend that I was talking to my classmates and, um, I remember talking about it snowing and my, and I was like, and we're going to expect some snow. Like I, I couldn't get snow out quick enough. And my mother still makes fun of me today. And that was over 20 something years ago <laughs> that I was like stumbling on the word snow. Like I couldn't get it out. But I think listening back, which is very important, by the way, you should always listen back and you should always record yourself when you're doing TV or radio and listen to your voice and how you deliver and um, and I think it's just so important to listen to yourself and you could learn from your own self, your mistakes or your, your, the positive things that you've been doing on the air. So, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, um, something I recommend. Was that something that you just decided to do yourself or is that something that was recommended as part of the class or something that you saw someone else doing? No, I just did it on my own. I always recorded every single show. And I said, you know what? This is going to be good. A, to keep it for the rest of my life and then to learn from it. And um, I did. I learned what to say, what not to say and um, how to say it, especially for the Hofstra morning wake up call. And I feel like because it was such an important part of the day, because people are listening as they're going to work or going to school. It was just, you know, you just want to make sure you don't sound awful <laughs> or stupid, you know, and um, and it was great. It was a great learning experience to do that. So you had to go through, I think you said a 10 week training program and then pass a test before you could get on the air. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so you need to take the 10 week training course and then take a written test and then you take the engineering test and then you have to basically do a demo to get cleared for each of the formats. Now, I don't know if that's still the same. I haven't been there in so long, but I would imagine it's something similar to that. Can you speak a little bit about preparing for uh, the exam itself and then what goes into making the demo tape to get cleared to be on the air? 
I believe it was a hundred question test and you needed to get over, I think a 75 or an 80 because they don't want you not to know 20 or 30% less than what you're supposed to know. You, you want to know a hundred plus because you're running a real radio station. You're on the air on a real radio station. It's not some rinky dink little college campus station. So it was, um, it was difficult, but like I, like I said, I wanted it so badly that I just kept reading and practicing and just knowing all my stuff. I mean, you know, uh, ask me now, I probably can't remember all of it, but, um, <laughs> it's, it was rough. It was tough. I think I got like an 85 or something like that. And, um, and I remember having to take the engineering tests and I was so nervous, but I'm like, again, what am I nervous about? I am studying this for a class. I been practicing. I would work with Sean. Um, I would work with other classmates in that were already a part of the station and they would, they would teach me, okay, this is what you do. Pot it up, pot it down. This is how you do the EAS test. So it was a little nerve wracking, but it, like I said, it was, it was something that I wanted and I knew that I needed to get, get behind that board and just kill it. And, uh, I learned so much. Um, and then the on-air portion, I remember there was like guidelines that you needed to make sure, like say the top of the hour and, use sweepers and intro the song back announce um make sure you mention what show you're on etc and um and you just want to fill your mic breaks with Mm -hmm. intelligent conversations that you're having with your audience so yeah it was um it was a lot but it was worth it you know you learn so much when you're there and sometimes people take it for granted but I've been working in radio now since I graduated college and even during my internships and, and like started, I think it was 2000, 1999, 2000. And, um, it's like, I remember just taking everything that I learned from WRHU and using it as my uh, stepping stone to further my career, whether it was my internship or my first radio job on air just people don't realize how much they learn there. And when you get out into the real world, it's like, Oh, I know this. And that's why I feel like Hofstra students are always the first ones to be hired, especially around here in New York, because people know about the university and the program and the radio station and it's award winning. And it's definitely an awesome place to learn and experience real radio. Hmm. Do you remember any of the, the people that went through that training class with you, people that you would keep working with over the next couple of years? Yeah, I remember pretty much everyone. Um, I talked to a lot of people that I made friends with in my training class, and um, some of them are working in the industry and some of them are not. Some of them are in education. They decided to do that instead, and they love it. Um, but they always say, you know, getting up in front of a class is easy because they used to talk on a microphone <laughs> all the time. 
Um, and some people like Kevin Winter, he's killing it at ESPN radio. And, um, it, it, I learned so much from him when I was going through college and, um, he's a great example of someone who never gave up Keith Irizarry, who was younger than I am, but, uh, was, he was someone that I actually taught in the training class and he's doing exceptionally well. So just seeing all my friends coming up through the industry and they started at WRHU is so great to see. It's, it's amazing to watch and, and see their growth, not only as professionals, but personally as, in, as adults and, you know, just being incredibly awesome people. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned obviously Bruce and Sean and uh, Ed Ingalls. Who else was uh, helpful when you were first getting started at the station? Michelle Lisi was an incredible part of my journey as well as, like I mentioned, Bruce and Ed, Sean. Um, there was uh, Heather Cohen, who I literally admired since the first day I met her. And, um, we still stay in contact today and she's literally like my idol. Like I always told her, I'm like, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. I mean, she's, she's an incredible part of that university's history with WRHU and working in, in, she was working at WOR and now she's an executive vice president for the Weiss agency and, a lot of her clients I work with at iHeartRadio, so I get to see her often, and uh, we have a lot of the same friends in in my office and in my department and um, in the sales department at iHeart. Mm. So um, she's definitely made a mark on me. Um, there was another few um, women that went to college with that were a little bit older than me and I I really admired them and uh they they were very helpful and uh Laura Schmeling she was very helpful um there was a woman named Jill Melissa and um and then you know a bunch of the guys the sports guys like Vinny Macucci who we took the training class together and he taught me a lot about sports and sports broadcasting and um, I actually dabbled in that a little bit. So, um, it was, uh, it was great to just work with people that are the same age as I was at the time. And then the upperclassmen and everyone was just, there was like no ego. A lot of the time when they were teaching and helping everyone out that was coming out of the training class, which was always nice. Mm. This, this, might be a silly question, but it's one of the questions that I asked. But mm-hmm. when do you think you started to feel comfortable at the station? I think I felt comfortable right away, kind of. Like I, like I mentioned earlier during our conversation, walking into Dempster Hall and just feeling like I was at home, I just, I just felt like this is where I wanted to be. And... I pretty much do a, a do a great job of making friends right away and asking a ton of questions. And um, I wasn't afraid. And I think that's why I, I got to where I am today, because I just 
was, I knew what I wanted. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, it took me some time to like really feel comfortable behind the board. Cause I didn't want to mess up, but I feel like I'm like, ah, ah, I learned this. I learned that uh, this is easy to me. This, now, the editing stuff I loved doing, I loved audio editing. It was just, to me, it was like, Oh, he said, um, she said, Oh, I got to take that out. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Oh, this dead space here. Let me get that out of there. So I really, really enjoyed that. And of course, obviously the on-air stuff was, uh, I felt comfortable behind the mic because I, I, I've been a performer since I was a little kid. And then, like I mentioned, doing the morning announcements at Sawanica. So that was, that was fun. And, you know, I just, uh, I think in the real world, like when I first started on LIR 92.7, like it took me a while to be comfortable there because it was like, oh my God, this is my first real job on the radio. Uh, and all these new people that I, I don't know. And I was with the same people for four years that were my mentors, like Bruce and Ed and Michelle. <laughs> so. Hmm. So we've got the benefit of hindsight and you've got all these great stories and meaningful connections. And obviously this meant Hofstra radio meant a lot to your career, but I'm wondering if you can, you talked about this a little bit, so it's not entirely a surprise, but can you go back into your shoes as, as a freshman, as an 18 year old coming into the station and walking in there and at that moment without all the hindsight, with all the experience at that moment, what did you hope that Hofstra radio would mean for you? Well, I hoped that I would learn a great deal. And I literally said, I want to become famous. <laughs> and so I, I definitely, I, I made sure people knew who I was and I just, I just didn't think that, WRHU would make such an impact on me as much as it did. Like I look back and I'm like, Oh, I wish I could go back there. And that's why I, I try to spend time with those students and, and I, I host them at iHeartRadio. I have them come visit and because I know what an impact that place made on my entire life and my career. And it's, it's, I just remember like, I just always wanted to be there as much as I could. I even worked on Christmas and Christmas for an Italian Christmas Eve is a big deal. So I remember being there for Christmas Eve and Christmas day. And it, you know, you have the, the students that live close by and then you have students that, you know, lived in California. And so they went back for winter break or summer break and I was one of the few that was close by literally 10 minutes and I just wanted to be there. I wanted to help. I wanted to make a name for myself. I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could by being there and being around different people who do different things. The engineering part of it, when we had the chief engineer, John Caracciolo, like I thought that was so fascinating and all those times he would go up to the transmitter and and go up on uh, constitution hall and just check out the antenna i mean that that to me was like so fascinating you would never catch me up there but it was just it was just you know every single facet of 
that place made a huge impact on me. Danielle, this was great. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. I am certain that you've got a lot more stories and I look forward to having a conversation with you again sometime soon. Oh, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me and, and allowing me to share the most memorable part of my life uh, with you and, and everyone. And I just love WRHU. I will always cherish those memories. And, uh, and I always smile every time I bring it up. Every time someone mentions Hofstra's radio station or, you know, they talk about the School of Communication. I mean, I basically lived there for four years of my life. And I, it always brings a big smile because I have such wonderful memories with so many amazing and incredible people. So thank you for allowing me to share that.